Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, folks. Welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burse, here with my co-host and A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. If that sounds good to you, make sure that you go over and subscribe on the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on iTunes and Spotify. The new episode drop there every Monday morning, bright and early, 7 a.m., and you won't miss a thing if you are subscribed. I'm at Charlie underscore Burris on Twitter, at Zach TNT is Zach on Twitter, at A to Z Sports, and their Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville, and A to Z Sports Nashville.com for everything that Zach writes on the internet. Another week has passed, and... I'll start off by saying this. It's been an interesting week in my own household, Zach. I have not put this out publicly anywhere but uh, Instagram, which is where it's just more like actual friends and family that follow me there. Um, I have coronavirus. Um, that's not funny. Not sure why I chuckled. Just but uh, it hasn't been the funnest thing in the world. I'm about a week in. Um, I do not suggest it, although I am... I think knock on wood everybody i'm feeling okay now good enough to do this podcast um and hopefully on the mend uh so that's that just a note to throw in if i sound janky if i sound off i know i have a congestion voice i can tell uh so thank you uh covid that's uh that is why i sound funky and that's that um and so that's part of why it's been an interesting week but also, it's been an interesting week because still, even after last week, after I feel like, I mean, I was so certain at least something would loosen up and we would see some sort of movement, even some kind of indication that there may be something going on even behind the scenes at the University of Tennessee concerning Jeremy Pruitt's job status. And there just really hasn't been. How you been, Zach? For a little bit uh, before this podcast started, I thought we were going to get Charlie with COVID after a Titans loss with Tennessee have not fired Pruitt, and that was going to be extremely interesting. And we were very close to that. We were texting in the last couple of days, and I was like, if I have to have coronavirus and talk about Tennessee keeping Jeremy Pruitt, I'm going to pass out from screaming because I, I mean, I can tell you the, the whole, the fatigue and everything is real. Uh, that it's easily been one of the worst things about this whole deal. It just makes you dog, dog tired. Um, and I would have screamed till I'm red in the face and probably passed out on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> so, um, and then on top of that, yes, with the Titans too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, 
they decided to pull that out. We won the AFC South uh, in an absolutely ridiculous game uh, that should not have been that close. But hey, happy to see it. Uh, We'll go beat the Ravens a third time now. But um, that, yeah, I mean, I was dreading it in some sense, and I'm glad that that didn't come to fruition either either way, Titans or, or Pruitt so far. But with what has unfolded this week, what did you think? Of or I mean, what has unfolded? Complete lack thereof. What did you think? But I mean, I did not think that we would make it into the new year without knowing something one way or the other on Jeremy Pruitt for sure. And if anyone listening thinks that that statement from Philip Fomer uh, about the bowl game that Tennessee was supposed to play in, uh, Fomer's comment about a primer for spring practice and Jeremy Pruitt that that does not mean anything. Texas, the Texas AD gave Tom Herman a vote of confidence and really more explicitly than what Fomer said. He said that uh, Tom Herman would be back in 2021, and that was not the case. They fired him on Saturday, already had his replacement lined up when they fired him. It's just something's got to happen one way or the other, and the fact that it hasn't yet just kind of shows Tennessee – has no clue how they have no clue how to handle this. They they haven't had any clue how to handle this type stuff for a while. And it really doesn't give me much hope if they do fire Pruitt where they go from there. I, there's really no reason we should have hope that they're going to nail the hire if they do fire him. Literally, what are we doing? That's my question after this week. I mean, what? What is the, what's the thought process? What's happening behind the scenes? And we'll we'll dive into the indications of what that might be that have come out this week. But I I agree the Texas firing Herman it was a little bit out of the blue. Like you said, they they had given the vote of confidence to Herman, and then they pulled the rug right out from under him. And they pulled the rug out from under him to go and hire Steve Sarkeesian at Alabama, which is interesting. Um, I I mean I guess. You're you're replacing a guy who won eight to ten games a year at Texas, usually closer to eight, with a guy who never won more than eight games. I want to say at USC, um, or at Washington too. I believe that he never has passed that threshold. Correct me if I'm wrong there, but um, maybe they're assuming that he has learned a lot of lessons. He also had might. I, I don't want to speak out of turn on this. I believe problems with alcoholism. Yeah, um, he kind of showed up, I think, drunk at a practice, and they had to leave at USC. It was a mess. Uh, yeah, that, it wasn't I remember just that. rumors, really. It was pretty public. Yeah, yeah that, that was a whole factor in that, that firing. And so I hope that he, obviously, we, you know, Tennessee doesn't ever really have to see Texas. I, I mean, I hope the best for the guy um, over there. And so whatever cool on texas but the fact remains the and especially with herman now available the set of coaches that are available right now in the circumstances around a coaching search are they ever gonna get more perfect than this for tennessee i mean you're never gonna have just the ideal situation i mean once in a in a generation are you gonna have where nick saban sucks in the nfl and falls into your lap like happened with alabama they just got 
lucky. Or they were smart at the time and made the move. They realized what Saban was. They made the move. He sucked in the NFL. And they kind of he fell into the lap because he wanted to come back to college. Um, I mean, is this not as good as it could get for Tennessee? Herman, Malzahn, Freeze, you know, Chadwell, Napier. Go down. You could take a swing at Matt Campbell. And you have no competition. None. I mean, there are no other schools right now. They Like, Sarkeesian didn't leave a head coaching spot. So it, that didn't open up any competition. He was the OC at, at Bama. I, I'll is say it going to get better than this? No, and it could actually get worse because there was a report that uh, maybe some the Jets might be interested in Dan Mullen in the NFL. Not, I don't think Dan Mullen's going to leave Florida for the NFL, but you never know. But if he, if he were to do that, then – then Florida's open. You don't want to go up against Florida again. That already cost. That already is the reason that you missed on Dan Mullen the first time around. So, yeah, right now, if you made a move, to me, I think your floor. I don't. You can tell me which coach you'd prefer. I think it's really a coin flip. But to me, the floor, if you fire Pruitt, is Tom Herman or Gus Malzahn, one of those two, and it's an immediate upgrade. Either one. I mean, Herman. Herman is far from perfect, but he's at least a very interesting candidate who, as you're saying, would undoubtedly be an upgrade. Dude won 10 games, beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. It's a huge upgrade. Um, yes, his his recruiting's been lacking. He kind of has, I believe, a reputation as a little bit of a little full of himself, uh, I guess, um, which was a problem you had with Butch, and it did not go over well here. Uh, it doesn't really go over well anywhere, but you know, you, you, you could see a situation like you've seen with Rick Barnes where that Rick Barnes himself would kind of tell you he had gotten lost in his own sauce, so to speak at, at Texas. Like he had just sort of let himself go and coming to Tennessee was a wake up call for him. And it was a Renaissance to his career and kind of in this, the, the twilight of his career. And now maybe, um, Herman getting kind of slapped across the face with a firing makes him realize like, Ooh, I got to be better, you know? And so uh, he doesn't have NCAA baggage like freeze would um, and has obviously has not been at an sec school. He does not have sec pedigree and has not really been around the sec at the same time. You could look at that and say, at least he hasn't worked for Nick Saban, like everybody else with an sec pedigree. Cause the last two times Tennessee hired a guy like that, it was Derek Dooley and, uh, and, and Jeremy Pruitt. So um, it's it's really interesting situation all the way around. And yeah, I'm with you. How do you even go wrong in this situation? Fire the guy. I mean, the, the biggest wrench would be if Florida comes open by that. And I would call that probably not likely. Um, but let's do say this. I, I Trask is gone for Mullen, and he probably knows uh, Tony is gone and Pitts is gone and things might not be so hot next year. <laughs> and he, his recruiting has not exactly been, you know, just top two every year, uh, like, like Kirby at Georgia. So um, you never know, but that could really be the only wrench that would get thrown into it. Go make a move. It's so stupid. What are we doing? Literally. I even, I, and I guess, and let's say, let's say this, this is what I, I'm leading into. The, the investigation may be ongoing. Uh, let's take take a quick look 
John Bryce, longtime Tennessee reporter, now a reporter for Football Scoop, uh, dropped some tidbits. Um, article says, sources, Jim Turner out with the Bengals, now in mix for SEC job. Jim Turner was the, offense, or, uh, the offensive line coach for the Bengals. And now in this report from Bryce, he is being looked at for the Tennessee, the same position uh, at, at Tennessee now that Will Friend left to go to South Carolina. It says Turner has a strong connection to the Vols, most respective offensive staff members, running backs, coach, and former Tennessee all-time great running back, Jay Graham. Uh, what do you think about that development, Zach? It was kind of surprising. I, I'm, I'm trying to, most people should be familiar with Jim Turner for not great reasons. He was a big part of the Miami Dolphins bully gate scandal several years ago. He was fired. I mean, he was the offensive line coach that was, he was over the position unit where all the questions were kind of there. And then he was suspended at Texas A&M for a couple of games for something he put on a slideshow. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something inappropriate. That's when he worked with Jay Graham. So he's kind of got a pass there, but, Zach Taylor, the Bengals, vouched for him and and said he's a great person, good coach, and all that. I don't know if you're Tennessee, do you really want to go down that road? But you know, if Pruitt also isn't allowed to hire anybody right now, when he is, if he does get to hire somebody, he's not going to have a big pool of candidates to pull from either. He's not really going to have be able to pick and choose who he wants. So it's kind of understandable that he's yeah. got to kind of take some damaged goods. And I will so, say okay. that I think I would not be surprised if we never hear some sort of official Jeremy Pruitt is back in 2021 announcement. If he just hires somebody and that's kind of the way that it's, you know, put out there, he makes a couple of hires and it's like, well, you, you can read into this what you want now. That is exactly where I wanted to go. The most probably the most interesting tidbit out of this whole article from Bryce is this. He says Tennessee's coaches, led by Pruitt, have been conducting interviews via Zoom in recent weeks for at least a pair of openings on staff. The Vols need both an offensive line coach and a defensive line coach after Pruitt uh, fired Jimmy Brumbaugh in October. Um, so according to Bryce, interviews are happening. And then this is the real interesting part right here. However, per two sources in the University of Tennessee Athletics program, Pruitt right now is not being allowed to finalize any potential hires on his staff while the school conducts an in-house look into NCAA compliance matters. Tennessee has retained outside counsel for the process, as reported by VolQuest.com, and members of the Vol staff also are being subjected to inquiries led by the school's compliance director per sources with direct knowledge. So Pruitt, according to Bryce, is not being allowed to hire anybody. And so, according to this, he is just in limbo. But I say, can we not move on with life? Because you're losing precious time. I mean, spring ball is right around the corner. I don't know exactly what is happening with this compliance matter. But you're talking three months from now, you're going to be directly in the midst of spring ball. And, and then you also have the second signing period. Tennessee's class is basically sealed up at this point, but not completely. You could add a few more guys. Elias, 22 commits, 19 signed something. Am I 
I, I don't know if you have any harder numbers than that. Something like that. I think they're probably looking more at adding graduate transfers or exactly in those spots. I know on on this tail end of the class, they're looking to add grad grad transfers. But still, yeah, a you new need... coach coming in would want to do the same exact thing, right? Um, and you're taking away time from either the new guy or, or you're taking away time from Pruitt. Um, and and I mean another thing that happened this week, you did have uh, a big time recruit uh, sign with Tennessee. I I mean, what do you make of all of that, Zach? I think this is pure speculation. I think Tennessee intends on bringing him back. I think they're dragging this out, not on purpose, but I think they want this investigation to wrap up so they don't get in a situation where they've hired a couple of coaches and then they they have to fire Pruitt because something comes out in the investigation. I think they want to make sure that he's clear before they move forward in 2021 with, with hiring new staff because otherwise it gets real messy then. If you commit to Pruitt, you let him hire guys, and all of a sudden you got to fire him, hire a new coach. They don't want their own staff. That's what I think. I think if they were going to fire him, they'd go ahead and fire him. I don't think this is because of the buyout. I think it's so hard to escape a buyout anyway that it, it, it ends up in litigation and there's a lot of back and forth. I mean, it's just so rare that that happens. It happened with Hugh Freeze. Um, Arkansas tried to quit play, paying uh, was it Brett Belima because he wasn't trying to look for a job. Maybe that's something Tennessee should have tried with Butch Jones, but that's neither here nor there. Happened with Donnie Tindall at Tennessee. Yeah, yeah that that's true, but that was that seemed a little more egregious. Like they they really yeah, <laughs> it was more cut and dry there. I mean, that's just my the way I view it. I mean, I could be totally wrong, but that's just the sense that I get from the whole situation. Yeah, you, you can take it those two different ways. Um, it is either Tennessee searching for a way to bring down this buyout. Um, I I take them retaining a lawyer in that situation as just like, that's part of it. I, I'm, I'm not going to read too much into that. Um, and just say it is either they are trying to find a way to get this buyout down, get Pruitt out the door for cheaper, or, I mean, I... I think in the, in the next couple of weeks, next week, we could just hear that an offensive line coach has been hired, and then you know. It'll be really disappointing, and it'll be a completely tone-deaf, moronic, cop-out, loser move by the athletic department and, and by, uh, by Fulmer. But, I, I mean, I could totally see that. I mean, just... When I say tone-deaf, that's not even a good enough way to describe how stupid that is to not, and it hasn't happened yet. And I'm, I'm getting worked up over something that hasn't happened yet, but if it does actually come to fruition, that just like the quote unquote way we know that it's that Pruitt's coming back is that he just hires an offensive coordinator and Fulmer doesn't come out and say, we believe in this guy. We, I have, you know, the, and kind of give a nice prepared statement and say, this is why, uh, and, and we're going to roll with Pruitt going forward. That is so stupid. And I mean, is there even a public relations department over there? I. <sighs> well, they've been mishandling stuff like this for years. I mean, look at the yeah. way they let like the John Gruden stuff just linger around when it was just, they could have come out, shut that stuff down so easy. They never did. They just kind of let it go. I think Fulmer doesn't feel like he needs to explain why Pruitt's returning. 
in 2021 if that ends up being the case. I feel like he he doesn't he feels like he doesn't owe us that sort of explanation. And really, after three and seven, you you do in year three. You have to explain, if nothing else, but for recruiting purposes, uh, to to give the fan base a reason to want to buy tickets in 2021. It, you know, there's going to be no excitement going into next season. None. There's there's nothing nothing to, to be excited about. You got a lame duck coach or, or a coach that's squarely on the hot seat, kind of like Will Muschamp uh, going into South Carolina this year. You kind of pretty much knew what was going to happen with Muschamp. Pruitt's in the exact same situation. Fomer, you got to do something, say something, anything at this point, beyond a primer for spring practice, which was the weakest yeah. attempt at a vote of confidence I've ever heard. So lame. I... I completely agree. It's, I mean, it's specifically, like, it's not like Tennessee went, it is the COVID year, and it's weird and the whole thing. That is one factor. I've said it before. I, I personally, I really think COVID really just separated the men from the boys as far as coaches go. The good teams were still really good, and the bad teams got even worse. Um, but either way, on that, that's a whole other thing. Um, I mean, there there is weirdness, but it's not like, you know, they gave Georgia and Florida a really good run. You know, maybe you had like a lead against Florida in the fourth quarter and then you just blew it right at the end and you really gave, you know, you gave Georgia a run. No, you lost by double digits seven times. You lost by double digits seven times. Kentucky wasn't good. This wasn't, you know, Arkansas was not some exceptional outstanding team and they all beat you by double digits and Kentucky beat you by 30. What an embarrassment. What are we doing? This is not some, you know, I, I've seen people say, oh, well, it would be a five to eight win year in a regular year, depending on what kind of snoozer games you include in the schedule. Get out of town. If this was a five win season, I'm on fire in this guy. If this oh, was yeah. a six win season with with all of these double digit losses, I'm on fire in this guy. It's terrible. You lose I, to Kentucky and you lose to an Arkansas team that has a first year head coach ever. First time ever being a head coach that won two games a year ago with a completely different offensive philosophy under Chad Morris. I mean, Sam Pittman has to flip that whole roster. That's the one, even more than Kentucky, because Mark Stoops is a good coach. Kentucky's a well-coached team. They're not the same old Kentucky that Philip Fulmer used to be every year. You should, you should still beat them because you have more talent than them. But the Arkansas game to me is by far the worst. Like that's, I was out. 100% because of the Arkansas game. And that's, I will not ignore that loss ever. I mean, that you can't, there's no excuse for that. He had room for redemption after the Kentucky game. You had games where you, you could have, I think you could have beaten Auburn. They're, they were down enough. They were beatable. They ended up firing the coach. Uh, you could have beat Arkansas. Every other game, yeah, you're probably going to lose. All of those other teams were better than you. But after the Kentucky game, there was a little room for redemption. Pruitt didn't even get close. Didn't even get close. You weren't you weren't close. I somebody was trying to tell me on Twitter the other day that oh, if if there wasn't a pick six in the Auburn game, it's completely different. First of all, if there wasn't a pick six, you still don't win. And then second, I I mean, it would have taken to go on from not having the pick six to also scoring a touchdown. There's no guarantee that that happened. Blah blah blah. Anyway, um, I mean. 
there there's just none of none of that is redeeming I, I, anybody that looks at that and goes oh well i see i mean i i've put out i have put out directly on social media tell me why you would want this guy back and all i get back is who would want that i i don't get any kind of response it's like well he did do this and this and this no he didn't the recruiting class is not as good as you wanted it to be tons of guys are transferring you lost seven games by double digits and the three that you did win weren't that impressive i just what are we doing and it's the way the season went to me you start out two and oh you play a pretty good first half against georgia and then the team was never the same after that, after yep. halftime against Georgia, that is also concerning because that. I know he didn't lose the locker room. I know this wasn't a toxic situation, but it's like, did you see the Austin Pope comments this week about uh, that he made in his exit interview with the Athletic? I did. I, I saw people talking about, it, but go go into it. Yeah, I mean, he basically just said that he felt like there was too many people on the team that just running through the tee and putting on the helmet was good enough for them. They don't care if they lose to Alabama. They don't care if they lose to Florida by a lot of points or any of that. They don't They don't have any pride in the way they're playing on the field, basically. But, I mean, those were his words exactly of the, they running through the tee is good enough for them. And that's the type of mentality, obviously, on the team. And I think that's pretty much what we saw. They didn't care. I mean, they played with effort, but they didn't have that mentality of we have to win this game. Nothing else matters. It makes me believe in every way that Juwan Jennings was a massive, massive, massive difference maker last year. And Pope actually referenced him in that interview where he said Jennings wasn't like this rah-rah guy in the locker room firing everybody up, but it was more just his work ethic. And the way that he competed rubbed off on everybody. People saw exactly. that, and they yes, and they they fed off of that. He he was going to do it no matter what. He was doing it because that's just how he's wired, and that's how he plays the game. And they don't have any of those guys now. And I think what's really rubbing off, and this is total speculation on my part, but it's also extrapolation from just what I'm seeing. Pruitt doesn't want to be here. I don't think. I think he is looking at Tennessee as a job. He's looking to collect that paycheck. We, mm-hmm. and, and let's say we've all been there with jobs. You know, you you just you have a job because you want to get that paycheck and 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 go home and have you know be able to put food on the table. Now he's putting a hell of a lot more food than you and me with his four and a half million bucks. Um, and and you know you should look at that and be like at four and a half million dollars, you better be a heck of a lot better than this. Um, but I, I mean, I, I just think that he's looking at it and going at, at this point, if it's going to go sour, I, I don't even want to be here and it's rubbing off on the players because there's no fire. There's no nothing there. I mean, there's nothing. And I think last year the fire was coming from other players who were now gone. And then now it, now that it's Pruitt is left up really to his, his own devices, you look and, you know, you look the, the two guys who are Tennessee alums who truly care about this program. T and J, their units are the best ones on the field. I mean, it all just tracks. It all tracks right down the line. They both care about this program in the fact that it is Tennessee. And so they are oddities on this staff from the top down because, and and again, speculation and extrapolation from things I've seen, but I don't think he wants to be here. I mean, that would make sense because stuff like that does start top down. I mean, it's Jeremy Pruitt's culture. 
And it's, I can sense that too. I think I've always sensed it just a little bit. And it's not just because he's an Alabama guy or this or that, because we've seen it's possible. David Cutcliffe, you know, went to Alabama and he's as Tennessee as it, as it gets. Yep. Um, Dabo Sweeney, Alabama guy. And he, I, if Nick Saban retired today, I don't think he's leaving Clemson. I think he is all in at Clemson. He's a Clemson Tiger at this point. And you don't feel that with Pruitt in Tennessee at all. I've, I've seen flashes where I kind of felt it. You know, some of those clips that they released where he talked about it being the decade of the Vols and this and that. I think maybe he want, he wants that at times, but it's just not genuine. And it bleeds through the rest of the program where you're right. It is just a job for these guys. And it, if you're the offensive line coach, you, you, you have to be in it for the kids at that program. You have to be all in. It can't just be a job any position group, the coach, you know, same goes for them too. And there's, what, what do you do about that? I mean, other than a coaching change, I mean, you can't, you yeah. can't force Jeremy Pruitt to want to be a Tennessee volunteer and, and force him to want to, to be in Tennessee forever because it, it certainly doesn't feel that way. And, and I'm not saying go out and hire a Tennessee guy. In fact, that is not what I want. Um, I want a guy who knows how, to be in the position that Pruitt is in and make it better. Because I look at some of these coaches specifically. I I mean, the, the best example is Hugh Freeze. And we've gone over this forever. Baggage, we all know. Okay, right now he's the easiest choice. He wants to be here, blah, blah, blah. Um, he has experience rebuilding programs in the SEC. That is exactly what Tennessee needs. They need a guy who has been there before and has done that and knows how and then can come in and do it. He rebuilt Ole Miss from the ground up and took it to 10 wins at Ole Miss. That was a really hard job to win at. Yes, it fell apart in a really, really ugly way at the end, but he he built that thing really impressively. And Tennessee is a dumpster fire right now, and they need something like that. They need that type of coach, whether it is Freeze, whether it is Herman, whether it is whoever, they need that guy. They don't need T. Martin, frankly, because he hasn't done it either. I And I love T. Martin, and I want all the success in the world for him. That's not who I want as head coach right now because of the options that are out there. I want a guy who has rebuilt a program and knows how to do it because it's such an ugly situation at Tennessee right now. I mean, it is just going to take the right guy stepping in. And I mean, Pruitt, yeah, it's, it's a, con- is it a conspiracy theory? It's just a theory that he doesn't want to be here, but I mean, you just feel it. I mean, has, I'm sure people who are listening have been someone's boss who doesn't want to be in the job they're in. And you just know, they just drag their feet and it's either you, you've been the boss to someone who doesn't want to be there, or you've been the person that doesn't want to be there. I mean, you just like, you know exactly what comes out of that situation. It becomes toxic so quickly. And it just, that's exactly what it looks like outside looking in. I don't, I wish I could frame it some other way, but that's just what I see. Uh, and so that, that's that. I, what, what do you make of this? Let's throw this in here before we switch. I do. I want to talk about basketball. Um, some, some not completely awesome things to talk about with basketball. Interestingly, uh, this week, and we'll get into that at the end, but, uh, Cade Mays staying um, makes a statement through Jimmy Himes that he's staying. That's skewed strange to me. 
Um, but what did you think of him making a statement and kind of saying, coming back to Tennessee? I mean, it's huge for Tennessee. I think that kind of, I think personally, because the players do seem to like Jeremy Pruitt, most of them. I think you've had some that have transferred. Even the ones that have transferred have been very gracious towards Pruitt. There's been nothing negative. And there usually isn't when a player hits the portal. They're they're smart kids. They know that that's not going to do them any favors to badmouth the coach on their way out. But most of the messages from those players have been pretty consistent that, that Pruitt cares about them as people, and, and which is what we've heard from Pruitt. I do believe he does care about the kids a lot. Um, I think it kind of means that Cade Mays is under the impression that Jeremy Pruitt's coming back. Yep. I don't think he would be coming back if it wasn't for that. I think the same thing goes for Dylan Brooks uh, announcing that he had signed with Tennessee. Even though he obviously signed in, in the middle of December and waited to announce it, even then I think he was getting the message that, hey, Pruitt's going to be back in, in 2021. That's about the only thing I can read into it. I mean, it's good news for Tennessee because, look, if Jeremy Pruitt comes back in 2021 – yeah, I hope he wins ten or eleven games next year, and we're wrong about all this. Um, I yeah. would love, I would love that. I agree. I will take all the tweets directed at me. Uh, I'm sure you'll get plenty of those if it happens. Oh, I will get annihilated, and I'll take it happily. Yeah, please prove me wrong. Yeah, like, you're not that. gonna. You're not gonna. No, but please do. But yeah, for 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 that reason, it, it's good news. Uh, hopefully, that you get a new offensive line coach. There's going to be a new offensive line coach one way or the other, you know, Will Friend's already gone. Hopefully you find somebody that can actually coach the offensive line and we kind of see them, even though you don't have Trey Smith, you get to see the bulk of this offensive line live up to its potential. I mean, that would be great. Mm -hmm. It's gotten to the point now where it's really wearing on me, where I've got, I've started getting responses when I tweet stuff about Pruitt. Obviously, I mean, I, I had a tweet this week that was about firing Pruitt that got a thousand likes. And that's not to brag about my social media. All of my, almost none of my tweets ever get that many likes. But the point is, a thousand people like to tweet about firing Jeremy Pruitt. It's not like I'm alone. <laughs> like we're lone wolves in this yeah. opinion. Uh, you know, uh, but I've started getting responses back that are like, oh, well, you just have an agenda to want to fire Pruitt. That's you've built your, you're just building a name off of talking about Jeremy Pruitt. I mean, sure. It's good for numbers, but I wasn't saying fire Jeremy Pruitt at the beginning of the season when they beat South Carolina. I said, "Ah, you know, JG could look better, but Hey, we won. You know, it's not like I was saying this from, from day one. No, the circumstances change. This is, I, I, my only agenda here is that I want the University of Tennessee football program to win. I am a lifelong Tennessee fan. I am a Tennessee grad. I want Tennessee to be good at football, and they stink. That's it. That's the entire agenda that I have. I want Tennessee to be better. So take that and stuff it somewhere else, everybody who said that to me, okay? I just feel like when you've been through this so many times already, when you've been through it with Derek Dooley, You've been through it with Butch Jones. You know what to look for. And I look when Derek Dooley was entering year three and Tennessee beat ten, uh, NC State that first game, I was like, yes, he's finally figuring it out. And I was all in. I was at the Florida game 
when game day was there, I mean, it was electric. I, I believed, I believed that Dooley was finally riding the ship and then it, it totally, totally fell apart. Butch Jones came. I was, I, I didn't love where he was hired from the way the coaching search went, but 2014 came and they made a bowl game for the first time and since, since 2010 and they won that bowl game and they, they're recruiting pretty well. 2015 comes in and they lose that game to Oklahoma. I was still, I was still believing because I was like, you know, Oklahoma's good. I didn't really realize how talented Tennessee was at the time in retrospect. Obviously they were really talented but I held on even then a little too long. I mean, I didn't really start calling for Butch's, Butch Jones' job until the Vanderbilt loss in 2016 when I really went all in on saying this this guy's got to be out. And there was plenty of people before that that, that saw it. I'm not going to wait too long on Jeremy Pruitt. I, there's no reason to do this again and to give yourself false hope that this guy's going to turn it around. I mean, I think we've seen all we need to see. Georgia State, BYU, Arkansas, Kentucky. What, what else? What else could could if it got this bad this year? What's it going to take in twenty twenty one? If he goes six and six, because I think the non conference schedule next year is pretty pretty easy to navigate. I don't think there's any Oklahomas or anything on the schedule. I think it's Pitt, Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, you could see Pruitt even hanging on and going. Six and six, maybe seven and six with a bowl win. Is that good enough to keep him around next year? No. And it shouldn't be. And that's the road that they're Tennessee's going down. You are well, I was gonna say you're getting to the point where this program is just totally okay with like a seven wins bowl game. Like that's becoming the standard. You're already there. I was, yeah. I was going to say you're getting there. You're already there. Well, you that went a whole, a whole complete decade without winning more than nine games. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and in reality, with Tennessee, with the insane, amazing, unbelievably loyal, I mean, way too good for the people that run this football program fan base. And all of the resources and all the money, everything that Tennessee has seven and six should be as bad as it ever gets period maybe in the most off year freak your quarterback gets injured you go five and seven but the coat you know it's a freak thing and everybody knows it maybe i mean the floor should be seven and six the ceiling is a national title and year in and year out like you're winning the SEC East two out of every five years. That's Tennessee football. Because that's the type of resources that Tennessee has. That's honestly the level that Tennessee is able to recruit at. Also, uh, Florida did not have a significantly better recruiting set of recruiting classes in the years leading up to this year than did Tennessee. We, we hit this pretty hard last week on, on the show. Um, and they won the SEC East going away this year. Okay. And had a really, really incredible offense that carried them there. Uh, And they were not like head and shoulders in terms of recruiting class numbers, head and shoulders above Tennessee. It was a little bit better, but not much. Like, it's easy to recruit a top 15, top 10, top 5 class at Tennessee with a guy that knows what he's doing. 
Butch Jones had a number three class in America. Okay, Butch Jones. Like, this can be turned around. And the standards, like, seven and six should be as bad as it gets. Do you want to know what's even more depressing to think about? And it's something that you may have seen it. I tweeted it Friday night, maybe Saturday. Tennessee, 100% should be Clemson right now. Yes, yes. Not just because of all the Knoxville area players and and plus Trevor Lawrence, you know, growing up a Tennessee fan. I mean, there's lots of Clemson players that should be Tennessee players just geographically or the way they grew up. It's that whole recruiting area. I mean, Tennessee should out-recruit Clemson in the, you know, North, what, my Northwestern Georgia, um, South Carolina, parts of South Carolina, East Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee should own those areas, really. There's not, I mean, really, Tennessee is more tradition rich than Clemson, I would think. Absolutely. Um, there's no reason that Tennessee shouldn't be Clemson. I mean, maybe you don't, you have a few more losses because you're in the SEC, but Tennessee at its full potential should be a better program than Clemson. And to see what Clemson's doing because they're, they've just kind of run things the right way, that's the hardest thing for me to swallow. More than Georgia's success, more than Florida's, because I just feel like Clemson's kind of stole that from Tennessee. They've, they've taken advantage of Tennessee just not caring over the last 10 years. Clemson – is doing now exactly, exactly what Tennessee did in the 90s. They're pulling just enough kids out of Georgia, out of Florida, out of Alabama. They, they're getting the a really nice crop every year of five stars. They're staying in top five classes. They're almost never the number one class. And, I mean, have they ever? No. I don't know. I mean, I don't I, think... The, I don't think they've had few, a number one class. Those I, few years leading up to their playoff appearances when they really kind of took off under Dabo, those were like top 10 or 15 classes that he really built his success off of. And then it let's, kind of catapulted from there. Let's look at at this. So this year, 2021, Clemson is number four. Uh, last year's, and this is two, 247 composite, Clemson is number three last year in, in 2020. Of course, this was after they've already won national titles and everybody knows. Uh 2019, Clemson was number 10. And they're like... Yeah, they, they got to the, nat- the national class. championship off of classes like what Tennessee's recruiting right now. 2018, number 7 class. Let's see, 20, 2017. So this will be uh, four four years back. We'll go five, five years back. Clemson in 2017, number 16. Tennessee that same year, number 17, one spot behind in 2017. And then in 2016, Clemson was number 11. They've never even been in the top two in the last five years. And it's, I mean, they're, I mean, they got their butt kicked against Ohio State, but still. (laughs) They're there. I mean, they're playing in the playoff. They've won, what, two championships with these recruiting classes. And Dabo Sweeney is not some football savant. I mean, he was never a coordinator. It's not like he's out there steaming stuff up. Uh, he's not. And that's what kind of kills me about Pruitt is everybody talks about him. He's this great defensive coordinator, and we've touched on how we just think he's a coordinator. 
you don't have to go hire a guy that has this exquisite X's and O's knowledge. I mean, obviously they, they need to be knowledgeable about football, but you need to find a guy that knows how to build a program and then let people work under him and do their jobs. And Dabo did that with Chad Morris when he first came to Clemson. He's done it with Brent Venables, defensive coordinator, uh, Tony Elliott, some of these other guys that have come in there and worked under him. He's let them do their job while he's built this culture. And look, I'm no Dabo Sweeney fan. He gets on my nerves. I love the fact that Ohio State beat him after he put him 11th in his coach's poll. I think that's hilarious. But you can't deny that he has built he has built this culture at Clemson that's very – it's a lot like Nick Saban at Alabama. It's very – you just know there's something different about the way Clemson does things. And there's really not a lot of other places where that's present, not even at Georgia or Florida. I mean, Georgia's getting to where they're at just off of top two or three classes. Yeah, he – Dabo's a total cheese ball, and that's honestly <laughs> yeah. put, putting it lightly. Um, but the dude gets results. I, I honestly – I think Kirby – is really the perfect example of a guy who's honestly not that good of a head coach, but he gets nothing but five-star players, and this is the result you get. You you know you go and you almost lose to uh, who did who uh, Cincinnati Cincinnati yeah sorry I, I was thinking Coastal Carolina but it was Cincinnati you almost lose to Cincinnati in the ball game that's what happens when you're a bad I don't know if he's a bad coach not a great coach yeah he's not I mean he's he's Mark Rick basically. Yeah, essentially, um, they you know, they have, I believe, don't they have the exact same record? Uh, I think through Kirby's, their... it, Kirby's is a little worse, like slightly just wow. under. It's very similar. But, you know, you mentioned that with talking about Dabo, it kind of, I hate to bring this back up, but if you if you take away Hugh Freeze's personal issues and the NCAA kind of stuff, like just personality-wise, when you hear them speaking, him and Dabo are very similar. It's kind of the same shtick that they both have going on. They, I mean, there, there's not just some formula that works where you just go, True. that's that's the one way that it is. I mean, I, I will say, guys. All these Saban guys would have worked out if that was the case. Exactly. If Saban's way was the, the way, I mean, the, the way is what we've set up, Saban. There's, there's no Saban way. He adapts because he's the best football coach that has ever lived in our lifetime. Um, he adapts, and he has ruled college football because he adapts. There's not, he's not headstrong in that single way. He's incredibly headstrong, but he's not in that single way. He's willing to look and go, I got my butt kicked. I'm going to change my offense. And that is what has made him great. And, you know, if you can, you can be a cheese ball and do the same thing. <laughs> and so go find that guy that, that can make Tennessee because it's all there for Tennessee. Stop acting like it's not. It's all there for Tennessee. You know, Stop I, had, it. I had one crazy thought that I would never, I don't think I'd ever seriously put this out there, but it just crossed my mind today. Urban Meyer goes to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, we've seen that rumor out there two years fails wants to get back to college football there's your nick saban <laughs> story oh boy daydream right and if there's anybody out there that says you would not take urban meyer at tennessee you're you're lying get out of town that's the one guy aside from nick saban that's the one guy that's you it's guaranteed success there's it's foolproof like he's gonna win wherever he goes in college 50. 56 years old currently. 
Around the same, same age that Saban was, yeah. Yep. I want to say Saban was maybe that age when he got hired by Alabama. Not totally sure, but he was he was near this age. Urban would be a little more advanced at that point, but uh, yeah. I mean, sure, that is a total daydream. I think, but yeah, it's never going to happen. But man, yeah, Tennessee will never get that lucky. Heck no. Heck no. This is Tennessee. Um. But, I mean, if you're Urban Meyer, you know his ego. I mean, honestly, if Urban Meyer goes back to college football, he, he pretty much turned Texas down. Um, it's, it's Notre Dame is the only job that he's probably going to go back to college football for at this point. If something happens with Brian Kelly and they move on, they're going to be all over Urban Meyer. He coached there. I think he was a graduate assistant there. I think that's the one place he would probably go to. Yeah. It's... But like his ego is so big. You've seen exactly. Tennessee just suck for twelve years, and to go in there and be like, "Yeah, I can, I can fix that," and and he could. It takes a guy like that because I, I mean, this is this is another reason why I look at I look at Freeze. He doesn't have that same ego right now. I don't think if he got good, he probably would. He he's definitely. I mean, you could just tell from the things that happen at. Uh, at Ole Miss. I mean, he's got some narcissists in him for sure. But I think right now you just, you have to look at coaches motivations. Like Pruitt just does right now. As I said, it seems like he doesn't want to be here. He just doesn't have the motivation for this. Uh, but you have freeze right now who is desperate, 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 desperate to get back, not just to get back into major college football, but to get back into major college football in a real way and, and remake himself. You know, he, it's so clear that he it's, has. It's a lot like has, Kiffin was when Kiffin was yes, out at USC. Exactly. And he, I mean, people are like, oh, Freeze is so insecure. And, but dude, Lane Kiffin today retweeted somebody uh, who, who had said something like, oh, you're going to lose to Indiana. Or I, I don't remember exactly what it was. I looked at it. Um, where was it? Crap. I had it earlier. Yeah, here it is right here. Let me. See if I can get it pulled it up. I read it and I was like, that comes off so insecure. Yeah, <laughs> uh, somebody said, You are about to get smoked by Indiana. Prove me wrong. And Lane said, We did. <laughs> Don't go on Twitter saying stuff like that if you're the head coach of an SEC football program. <laughs> that comes off so insecure. But people look at Lane and they go, Oh, bring Lane to Tennessee right now. Bring him here. Bring him here. Bring him here. But they look at some of the Twitter stuff that Hugh Freeze has done and they go, Oh, he's desperate. He's desperate. Blah, 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 blah. You're only saying that because of who who it is. I mean, that's that's it. They, but the motivation of both come from a similar place. Lane Kiffin is desperate to make a big name for himself in big time college football in the same way that Hugh Freeze is. Go hire the man, but that's my own opinion. Um, yeah, and, and I don't think Hugh Freeze is. I think I don't think he's Butch Jones necessarily with the Twitter stuff. I think Hugh Freeze is concerned about how people view his character after what happened. He wants to clear his name. Yes, he's very eager to clear his name. He's he's owned up to his to his downfall and his mistakes and everything that happened. I mean, I, you can't really ask much more out of him beyond that. I mean, and, and I think, what, what happened happened. Yeah, and I think you could bring him here, and and on the day that he signs a contract, heck, put it in the contract, say no more of that. You're not, no more tweets like that. You know, and, and just say, 
Like that's, that's just something that we got to cut out. We got to make sure our coach is focused on this and only this and, and so, you know, something like that. And cause you, we've already addressed it kind of there. There's no teams right now clamoring for his services. Uh, and so you kind of have him in a corner a little bit and would be able to make requests like that. I, and so that's, that's my take on the personal situation because the dude is just sitting there wanting the job so badly. <laughs> but uh, no matter what, we're, we're kind of going long on this. It's just, I mean, it's just another frustrating week. Like, get it figured out, Tennessee. Either way, if you bring Pruitt back, I'm going to be really mad. We're going to have a burn it down session. But What's your prediction for what happens this week with the Pruitt situation? <sighs> If it changes this week, they fire him. If it goes beyond this week, if we are having this similar conversation next week, they're keeping him. I would put it that way. I mean, you're just letting it go too long at that point. Why would you go into the second week? <laughs> Why would you go into the first week of January? reason. I'm probably being kind and it probably does mean that it's, they're bringing him back. <laughs> I, I'm maybe I'm just being hopeful, but just surely Tennessee is not that stupid. That's my prediction. I predict that you oh. see an offensive line coach hired surely. this week. NFL guy. Maybe Jim Turner, uh, that name's been mentioned. I think there's been some other names mentioned, but somebody from the NFL gets hired as the offensive line coach this week, and that's that's our sign. Kill me. <laughs> classic Tennessee stuff. Classic, classic Tennessee stuff. But at least you have basketball. You do, and let's finish with that. That was the talking point before. <laughs> <laughs> And then Alabama came in and wiped the floor with Tennessee. And I got some people going last night. And I just wanted to talk about this a little bit last night. Uh, so Tennessee just looked abysmal uh, against Alabama. Defense looked slow. Honestly, the defense looked completely incompetent without Eve Pons on the floor. Eve Pons looked like a total freak. He had five blocks in like two and a half minutes or something. Like it was insane. Um, but outside of Eve Pond's defensive performance, that whole thing on both ends of the floor was honestly for the height that I think this team can take itself to was embarrassing. Um, and it is a game that brought up some weaknesses that I, I'm not sure that I realized were going to be there. Santiago Vescovi got totally exposed. They took him out of the game. He didn't know what to do. And then, uh, Springer gets hurt, who is his replacement, who Barnes would have put in when Vescovi started getting rocked. And it just threw everything through a total loop offensively. They didn't know what to do. And in that situation, what needs to happen is Fulkerson steps up, and Fulkerson was nowhere to be found. He, he couldn't, he was nowhere. And he really, it, it's been an off year for him in general. And so, I mean, you go down that line, and I look at that and I go, there's a lot to clean up here, guys. I, it's going to be good enough to to get through the SEC slate pretty successfully. I mean, I think you're easily in a, a tournament team, 5-6 seed, it, probably a worst 8-9 seed. Um, but this team should be a Final Four team. It should be a Final Four team. With Fulke playing his best, with the two freshmen playing their best, 
with with Vescovi having it having it together and not looking like he did. Uh, I mean, this team's phenomenal, and it it concerned me a lot. But you a took lot a people, lot of you took a lot of grief. <laughs> a lot of people said, if I had a nickel for every single person that said, "Calm down, calm down, calm down," I'm not gonna calm down. I want this. I want so badly. I cannot even, I can't tell you how, if you've heard me scream about Tennessee football on this podcast, take that up to 10 with the way that I feel about Tennessee basketball making the final four. I, I cried when Tennessee lost to Michigan state in the elite eight. I cried. I have never, I have never legitimately cried about Tennessee sports except for that one time. And I cried because I wanted it so badly for Tennessee to make the final four. It's I I'm a huge, huge, huge basketball guy, which is an oddity in Tennessee fandom. I mean, there, there's not a ton of us out there. There, there are a lot. I mean, Thompson bowling holds 20,000 people, but I'm talking, I like, I played basketball as a kid. I'm just a basketball dude. My dad's from Kentucky. Like we just, he's not a Kentucky fan. He's a Louisville fan, but we uh, like, we're, we're just like a basketball family. We love basketball and I want it so 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 badly and so when i get overly concerned about tennessee basketball it's because i want it i want it it's right there this team has it they have what it takes when they play at their best and so play at play at your best <laughs> that's my entire take on it i and i know it doesn't come through in in a short tweet like that and i can't explain all of that quickly to somebody who's going calm down guys one Game. How bad do you hate the, uh, th- this was a good loss tweets and Whoa. stuff like that? Uh, no. The, 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 they needed this. Yes. yes those. Sometimes what Tennessee needed was that game against South Carolina upstate where they, they came oh, in yeah. thinking they were going to roll out of bed and win. And South Carolina upstate gave him, gave him a little something. They ended up winning by 20, but they should have won by 40. It was a situation like that. They needed that to kind of be like, hey, come on now. You don't need to get beaten over the head by Alabama. I mean, it wasn't. Yeah, the score, you only lost by, what, nine or something, seven, nine. But it wasn't close. That you didn't, like, at, at no point down the stretch did I seriously go, yeah, Tennessee's coming back. They couldn't throw pee in the ocean. And so, and everything, the offense was just totally disjointed. The the best shots they were putting up were open threes, and those were bricking. And so, I, it is, it's concerning. I, I watched that game, and I went, a Final Four team cannot have games like this. There are teams that have won national titles that have had games like that, but not many. Um, Basketball is a weird sport. You play right at the right time. But the best teams that have great seasons all the way through and didn't just have a miracle march, they don't have games like that a lot. So get it together. I hope that they use it. Have it light a fire under you. Get mad. And good Lord, I hope Jaden Springer's okay. I really, 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 really hope he's not hurt. Barnes did not have an answer last night uh, about his status. But that's... That was my full take. I just want a Final Four so badly. That's all. Well, I think hopefully people will realize that you see just the deeper issues that are 
from that game, they're not going to fix themselves. I mean, you can't you can't just say oh, it's a it's a loss that happens, move on. No, I mean those issues, like you said, they have to be fixed. Otherwise, you've just been exposed. It's just going to get worse from there. Exactly. Don't hey go to Arkansas and do not let Alabama beat you twice. Because mm. uh, Ar- Arkansas, the team that Tennessee beat by twenty in Missouri went to Arkansas and whipped Arkansas. So it's kind of, you know, it is certainly down to Tennessee now to not let Alabama beat you twice. And so there's that. I won't go too much into it because there's plenty of time to fix things. Go fix them. Folky, wake up. Vescovi, get it figured out. Springer, please don't be hurt. <laughs> Eve, Eve Ponds, keep doing what you're doing. Don't yeah, you? you just you just keep on trucking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe work on your jump shots still, but yeah. you know, other than that, <laughs> you looked awesome. Keep blocking shots. But uh, I think that's that's it. I have coronavirus and I'm tired. <laughs> it it wears. I will say that I I mean I know there's people that have had serious serious complications with it. I'm I'm a lucky one. It's it has not been terrible, but boy, the the fatigue it gets you. It just makes you want to lay down on a couch. So that's what I'm going to go do right now. <laughs> going to go lay down and watch the football. I'm Charlie Burris. That's Zach Reagan. Thank you so, so, so much for listening to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast Network feed to go have all the new episodes every Monday. At Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, at A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports Nashville.com for what Zach writes. Otherwise, anything uh, for the people as we head out, Zach? Uh, for two or three weeks, I've been planning on a midweek Jeremy Pruitt was fired podcast. Uh, I'm giving up on that. <laughs> not happening. Don't, not happening. So <laughs> that means it probably will happen. Uh, let's hope so. We'll see what Tennessee does. Otherwise, we'll talk to y'all next week. See you guys later.